This morning, we're going to continue to talk about holding the rope. Holding the rope. Two weeks ago, we talked about holding the rope, and we said that there were basically three ways we could hold the rope for our missionaries. One was in our finances. Number two was in, uh, I mean, in our faith, talking about prayer, in our finances, and then also in our firmness. And so last week, I came back and talked in a little more detail about uh, our finances. And that we've set a goal to give to missions in the last six months of this year. We've got 20, uh, what, we 23 weeks, counting today, left in this year, 23 more Sundays. And so far through the first two Sundays, you've given a grand total of $1,948 uh, to missions. Our goal is to give uh, $22,000, and all total with the uh, initial amount that the uh, church committed, which was uh, in the month of July, is $5,500. If you add all, all of that up together, uh, we've given a grand total of $7,448 so far of the $22,000 that is our goal. Now, if you go out this door, as soon as you walk the door, if you look straight ahead, that goal and then the updated amount is there on the uh, on the wall. Right now, we are on pace. If we continue to give like we're giving the missions, we're on pace by the end of the year to give somewhere around thirty-four thousand dollars, not twenty-two thousand. Okay. Maybe amen. You don't understand when it's a good time to clap. Say amen. Like that's the best time to say amen. Clap. So you know, just have a little bit of a fit. Do a little party dance. I don't know. Those are times where you get excited. That's, that's incredible. So we're way ahead of pace. I had a little apprehension in telling you that because sometimes we get ahead and we pull back, right? We're like, hey, we're ahead of pace. They won't skip this week. You know, I, when I saw where we were earlier this week, I thought, you know what? I'm not going to give up my Americanos this week. I'm going back to Americanos. We're way ahead of schedule. If we get behind, I'll give them up again. But look, we want everybody involved in this. And so we have, you know, offering envelopes in the chairs. It has a mission section where you can write your name and also the amount you're giving. But this is for students. This is for children. This is for people of all ages. And again, our admonition to you is just do something every week. Just do something every week. If it's nothing more than a dollar, do a dollar. If it's a quarter, do a quarter. If you can do more than that, then do more than that. But what happens is, is when we collectively come together and we commit ourselves to what God is committed to, which is his name proclaimed in all the world, God can take our little bit and do a lot with it. Anybody really believe that? You believe God can do a lot with a little? Amen. That's what he specializes in. If you give a quarter, he can make a quarter go so much further than anybody else can make a quarter go. And so anything that you give would be fantastic. And so I pray that as we come to the conclusion of, and I know many of you bring your offering, you know, even before church starts, but as we close out the service today and we, we sing you said again, and it has been a long time, I kind of went back trying to figure it out. It's probably been about 10 years since we sung that song. That's one of my favorite mission songs uh, to ever sing because it's just scripture ripped right out of the Bible. We're going to see that here in a second. Um, but listen, the Lord is at work in the world, and he invites you and I to get in on it. He invites us to come and participate in his global work all throughout the world. And so uh, let's continue to head in that direction and continue uh, to give towards, uh, towards mission. This morning I'm going to talk about holding the rope with our faith. And in particular, I want to talk about the greatest act of faith that we commit outside of trusting Christ as our Savior is that we trust Christ in prayer. Is that we pray? And so this morning, that's what I want us to talk about. I want us to talk about holding the rope prayer. Now, we don't have one particular passage of Scripture that we're going to. We only have two points this morning. Give you plenty of room there to jot these verses down. Uh, I did see on social media a couple of weeks ago, Matthew posted a picture and uh, something that was on the screen, and, and people were like, oh, thank you for putting that up there. I couldn't write it down fast enough. And somebody else said, yeah, there are like 20 of them I wanted to write down, and they were gone before I could get to them. So uh, uh, 
you know, uh, just I'll try to slow down a little bit, but if nothing else, there's going to be a lot of scripture coming at you this morning. I would just encourage you to write those verses now. And if you miss something, you can always text me, email me, and this is all uh, in a PDF document. I can send you a PDF document uh, for your own personal use. Point number one is this this morning. When it comes to prayer, I want to talk about the root of prayer. Why do we even pray? Because I don't know about you, but if you just look at prayer from the outside, outside of your Christian existence, prayer doesn't really make a lot of sense. It's weird. It really is. You're talking to the air. Who are you talking to? God? Where is he? Uh, everywhere. Does he ever show up? Does he ever manifest himself? No. I mean, prayer can be a really, it can be really weird to the outside world. But what I want to talk about this morning is where do we find our confidence to pray? Where's the root that holds us firm and fast uh, in prayer? Okay? So the first part of this can get a little uh, heady, but here's what I want to encourage you to do. Don't try to figure this out. Just let it be what it is. Don't try to figure it out. Just let it be what it is. All right? Say it one more time to you. Listen, everybody. There's going to be some stuff that's going to be said. You're going to be like, oh. Some of y'all are very analytical. And your analytical mind is going to turn off. And you're going to be like, okay, now how does that work? Because that seems to contradict what he just said here. It doesn't matter. It's all a big, it all seems to be a big contradiction, but it's not. You just have to let it be what it is. Now, we could start out with a big word called an antinomy. And an antinomy is an actual word. And it basically tells us is that there are particular aspects of our universe that seem to be contradictions with each other. But they're not. And we have to hold both of those truths simultaneous. Okay? Like light. Light, you know, there's part of, part of what light tells us. That light can only be this, but yet we, but yet science tells us light can also be that. And it seems to be a contradiction, but we have to just take both of those at face value and say, you know what? Both of these are true, even though they seem to be contradictions. And if you can get that, this will really help you in this first part. So what's the root of prayer? How, how can we pray with confidence? How can we pray and it not be weird? Well, God's sovereignty is his right and power to do all that he decides to do. So there's going to be two words that I'm going to give to you this morning. Sovereignty is the first word. That's a word that we use in this church all the time. And yet, maybe a lot of us still don't fully understand what sovereignty means. Well, it's God's right and power to do all that he decides to do. Which means that God answers to no one. That's the dream of every teenager. To not answer to anybody. That's really the dream of all human beings, not just teenagers. God answers to no one. God does what he wants to do, when he wants to do it, how he wants to do it, and nobody's big enough to say, hey, who do you think you are? Because if you asked that to God or said that to God, he'd say, I'm God. And who are you? Peon. Nobody. So God is sovereign. That's, that's going to give us, that's going to root us really deep and strong into prayer. Now, show you that I didn't make that up. I can give you a hundred Bible verses. I'll give you one. Job 42.2. I know that you can do all things and that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. That's what Job is saying. At, at the end of everything that Job went through, Job says, I know you can do all things and nothing that you purpose to do, that big word thwarted just means nobody can undo it. Nobody can uh, change your plan. Nobody can 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 undo what you're what you're going to do. Okay? Now let's talk about that second word, providence. Okay? God's providence is his seeing to everything that needs to be done to bring about his purposes. It's his seeing to everything that needs to be done to bring about his purposes. 
Now we're going to explain that here in just a second. So hold on. Isaiah 416. Listen to what it says. Declaring the, the end from the beginning and from ancient times things that are not yet done, saying, What? My counsel shall stand and I will accomplish all of my purpose. That's God's providence. That's God's working out in everyday human life his sovereign plan. That's what we call providence. In other words, that phrase, I will see to it, see to it, or provide, or providence, God will provide, and he will see to it that everything works together for the goals that he has formed the world for. Okay? So God's sovereign. He's got this big plan. One plan, plan A, no plan B. He knows it from beginning to end. That's his sovereignty. He rules over that. And then in daily affairs of life, his providence plays out. God sees to it on a moment-by-moment -moment basis that his plan is accomplished. That's how sovereignty and providence work together in this world. And both of those are needed to root us in to having confidence that prayer is not some silly activity that we participate in. That prayer really makes a difference. That prayer really matters. That God really hears our prayers. That God really answers our prayers. That, that spending time in, 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 in petitioning God for certain requests is one of the most beneficial activities that human beings can engage in, and in particular Christians. Absolutely everything that needs to be done to bring about his purpose, God sees to it that it happens. Everything that needs to be done to bring about his purpose, God sees that it happens. Without God's sovereignty and providence, we have no assurance that our prayers will succeed. If God is not sovereign over everything, if he's not providentially working in every place in the world at the same time, in every nanosecond of time within human history, then we have no assurances that our prayers will ever be answered or that it's even worth our time. That's probably the, the, the most important statement that I'm going to make about prayer today. God ordains the end and the means. Because here's what happens. People start thinking and listening to stuff like this about prayer. They're like, God's sovereign. It's going to happen no matter what. Then it's like, then why do we pray to begin with? I mean, if God is in control, if he's going to make sure that all these things play out like, like he intends for it to play out, then why should we even pray to begin with? Well, God ordains the end, but he also ordains the end. I mean, he ordains the end, but he also ordains the means how that end comes about. And one of the ways that he has ordained the plan that he has put in place to come about and to, and to be fulfilled is through people praying. And so when God says you don't have because you don't ask, he's really serious about that. When he says, as we'll see in a moment, the psalm is just saying, ask and I will give the nations to you. Listen, that's what he means. The, the way that the nations are going to be saved, that people from every tribe, nation, and tongue will end up in heaven is not only because we go and proclaim Christ to them, but because people are praying that they come to know Christ. Well, I don't want to get ahead of myself here, but God ordains not only the end, but he also ordains the means. Now, quick, right here, four responses to sovereignty. Okay, because this is where it gets sovereignty gets people, it gets people all messed up. Okay, four P, ready, pride. There's some people that just don't believe in God's sovereignty. They don't believe in God. I mean, they believe that God is kind of in control, but he's not fully in control. They believe God's only in control to a certain degree, and then everything else is, is left up to us. we got to get out there, and if we don't do it, it won't get done. Huh? 
God will make sure it gets done whether you do it or not. He'll just pass you over if you don't want to do it, and he'll go to somebody else. So we don't need to be prideful. Well, the other thing that sovereignty can do to some people, if you really think about it, if God is not sovereign over everything, then a lot of people, really, if you think about it, you are to be paralyzed. Because now it's all on you. I've got to get out there, and, and, and I've got to reach these people, and I've got to do this, and I've got to do that, and, 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 and I've got to learn this language, and, and I've got to raise this money, and, and on and on and on and on it goes to everything that you've got to do. Has it, have any of you ever heard the old saying, paralysis by analysis? That you got so much information in front of you, you don't even know where to begin? It's kind of like when people go on a diet, they read about 20 different diets they can go on, and they don't go on any diet. Why? Because which diet do you go on? I've got 20 different diets I can go on. Which one works best for me? So I don't do any of them. Why? Because I'm paralyzed by the analysis, by the information that's coming at me. Then there's other people, and this is where, I think this is where a lot of people that believe in God's sovereignty kind of fall into. They become passive. It just means, well, God's going to save them anyway. I mean, God, I mean, it's all going to happen. God's plan is going to work out, right? You just told me it's going to work out. God's going to make sure it all works out. Sovereignty shouldn't make you passive. It should make you the fourth be a participant. You should say, so you're telling me the game is rigged? Are you telling me that, that we're going to win no matter what? Yes. That's what I'm telling you. And you're like, that's the team I want to play on. Must be what it's like playing for Alabama at time. You just feel like it's rigged when you go out there. But if you buy enough players, I mean, you can rig anything. Oh, that's Texas, right? Not Alabama. So anyway. Just trying to lighten y'all up a little bit. I'm not picking on anybody. Who, who cares? But here, here's what I'm saying. We get involved in the work of God in the world and seeing people come to Christ because we already know the end of the game before it's over with. Well, who doesn't want to play on a team that you already know is going to win in the end? So you ought to just get on the field and say, this is the best kind of team to play for. We should be participants. Now, let's talk about, so that's the, that's the root of prayer. God's sovereignty, God's providence, God's plan is going to work out. Everything that the Bible promises is going to happen. God, I mean, it's not like, well, we hope it's going to happen. You know, it's not even we're praying that it might happen. Listen, our prayers is not that it might happen. Our prayers is, our prayers say that it is going to happen. Oh, come on. How many of you struggle with praying? Because you just feel like God never hears, God never answers. And the problem is, it's all the stuff that God has already told us is going to happen. It's the stuff that we don't pray about. All right, maybe this will help you. The fruit of prayer. So that's the root. That's the root. Now the fruit. A lot of verses coming. So here's Matthew 20, 24, 29 to 31. Immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light and the stars will fall from heaven and the powers of heavens will be shaken. <laughs> That's going to be cool. That's coming. Look, the Avengers, they can't replicate that at all. I mean, they might have been the top grossing movie of all time, but they can't, they can't even... Like, if you've seen Avengers and stuff like that, when Thanos is bringing about the end of the world, you're like, dude, that's awesome. That, that has nothing on what's going on right here. Nothing. And he will send out his angels with a loud trumpet, and they will gather his elect, his, the Christians, from the four winds, from one end of heaven to the other. Now listen to what the book of Revelation says. About the same event. 
After this, I looked and beheld a great multitude that no one could number. Watch. Watch the language. From where? Every nation. Every nation. From all tribes and peoples and languages standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands. Just think about that. With palm branches in their hands. People of every nation can tell them. And what do they do? They're crying with a loud voice. What do they cry? Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and four living creatures. And they fell on their faces before the throne and they worshiped God. Saved, amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever, amen. The one of the elders addressed me saying, who are these clothed in white robes and where have they come? And I said to him, sir, you know, and he said to me, these are the ones coming out of the great tribulation, and they have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore, they are before the throne of God and serve Him day and night in His temple, and He who sits on the throne sheltered them with His presence. They shall hunger no more, neither thirst any more, and the sun shall not strike them, nor any scorching heat. For the Lamb is in the midst of the throne, will be their shepherd, and he will guide them to the springs of living water, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Those are promises. That's going to happen. That, that's not something that might happen. That's what we're praying that that's what we're praying into reality. Then he goes on to say in Psalm 86, all the nations you have made shall come and worship before you, O Lord, and shall glorify your name. Ask of me, and I will make the nations your heritage, and the ends of the earth your possession. Psalm 2:8. All the ends of the earth shall remember and turn to the Lord, and all the families of the nation shall worship before you. Psalm 22, 27. Do you see the promises? What does he keep saying? All, all. Does that mean all as in every single person? No, it means all as in every language will be represented, represented, every tribe, every ethnos, every ethnic group will be represented. When we get to heaven, there will not be one people group on this planet that ever lived that doesn't have representation in heaven. Why? Because God is going to save all peoples from all. He's going to save people from all tribes, nations, and tongues. For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the, of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Habakkuk 2.14. Now, listen. We've already said, how are these people going to go? How are these missionaries going to go unless we finance them unless we financially support them. We, we said that God doesn't, he hasn't increased our, stand, our, uh, our wages to increase our standard of living. He's increased our wages so we can increase our standard of giving. But listen, this is, this is so important in Romans 10, 9 through 15. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, what's going to happen to you? You shall be You're going to be saved. Saved from what? Eternal hell. We believe in that. Amen? Amen. People that don't trust Jesus don't go to heaven. Now, watch what he says. For with the heart one believes and is justified, which means made right with God, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For the scripture says, don't you love that word? Everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. 
For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, for the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But how then can they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without somebody? I, I want to take preaching out because y'all think that's just me. How can they believe in somebody unless somebody proclaims to them Jesus? Bears witness of who Jesus is. And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. Matthew 9, this is Jesus. Jesus went throughout all the cities and the villages, teaching in the synagogues, proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. And when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but what? The laborers are few, so what do we do? Load up the group? No. You don't do that first. This is what you do. You start praying. You start praying for God to raise up laborers to go into the harvest field. Why? Because you better not ever try to go do anything for the Lord Jesus Christ unless you first prayed about it. Because if you go out in your own strength and in your own flesh, you'll make a mess out of it. We pray. Jesus said, go there for us as his final words, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe all things. If I can get back, look too far ahead. Yeah. And behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So we go. There's no doubt about it. But there must be a pray you therefore before there's a go you therefore. We, we need to be praying. And how do we hold the road for those that are going and have already gone and are there already? Is that we pray. And prayer is not some, it's not an afterthought. It's the first thought. It's our only thought. It's our only hope. The salvation of people from every tribe, nation, and tongue hangs on the proclamation of the word. And the success of such a proclamation is dependent on prayer. Amen. I heard a story this week about a pastor who, for years, had this very successful ministry. And, and the church had grown by, by, by hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people to where there were now multiple thousands of people coming on a weekly basis over uh, a 20-plus year ministry. And then... The, the pastor had gone through a season where there wasn't much of a move of God. There wasn't near as many people that were getting saved. Things just seemed to be different than they were before. And the pastor was getting discouraged. One day he opened up and he shared with a lady that was a member of, of the church. Her husband had been the longtime custodian of this church and had passed away. Uh, a few years before and he just said you know I'm, I'm just really I'm really struggling I just don't know why the Lord is not working like he once worked and she said Pastor I want to tell you something she said when my husband was the custodian here he would come in early get his work done and she said you know what he would do with the majority of his day he would, he would go back to the janitor's closet and he would stay there for multiple hours during the day doing nothing but praying for you. Charles Haddon Spurgeon had pastors from all over the world come to, to his great church in, in London, England. And they asked Spurgeon, Spurgeon, what's the... What's the, what's the key to your success? How do you preach to multiple thousands of people and see God do tremendous work? And he would always take them down to the basement of the church where hundreds would be gathered to pray. Listen, I, I just want to tell you something this morning. If, if we look around and, and we wonder and we ask ourselves, why isn't God doing more? God's looking down at us saying, when are you going to start praying? Because none of y'all are good enough to build a church on your own. 
If your pastor's not smart enough to preach good enough sermons to grow a church, the music will never be good enough to grow a church. You'll never have good enough programs to grow a church. But I tell you what, when you decide that you want to grow a church the way I grow churches, and you get on your knees, guess what I'll start doing? I'll hear from heaven, and I'll start sending down blessings. My prayer since I've been since I came here on June the 8th, 2008, has simply been one single solitary prayer. God, if you ever so if you ever so move in this church and in a, in, a, in a way that brings any notoriety, that you would do it in such a way that no human being can ever lay a hand on what you've done. They'll look at every part of what we do and say, you know what? Y'all are terrible at that. There must be some other explanation for what's happening in that church. And there can only be one explanation. And that's that the people of God have called on the God of the universe and the God of the universe has sent his spirit amongst us because of the, because of the prevailing prayers of God's people. Amen. Acts 13, 1 through 3, they, this is before the first missionaries were sent out. There was a bunch of people that gathered huh, at a prayer meeting. And they started praying. What were they praying for? Lord, raise up some missionaries and send some missionaries out from this church into the world to accomplish your work. And they started praying, and the Holy Spirit showed up, and they were fasting, and all of a sudden, God said, set aside Paul, or his name is Saul, right at this point, and Barnabas for the work I have called them to. Listen, we, we, we don't pray near like we used to in asking God to raise up people in this church that he would send out into the mission field. Praise God, we saw Andrew, and we've had a few others that have been raised up in the ministry. But let me ask you a question. Are we praying for the generation that is to come, for the teenagers that are in this room, for the young children that are in this room, that God, you might raise up some young people out of our church that would risk their lives and everything, and that they wouldn't pursue riches and fame and wealth and security, but they would pursue the Savior? They'd be willing to risk it all for Christ. Hmm. The work will never get accomplished unless people are sent. And people aren't going to be sent unless we start praying. And God can send no telling how many people out of this church somewhere else. But you know what? If we don't pray, God will just go to the next church that will pray, and he'll, and he'll just raise them up out of that church and send them. Listen, I went back this week and looked at, at all the, the, the top 20 all-time grossing movies. And you know what I found out about the, the, the 20th high, highest grossing movies of all time? Is that most of them center around fiction and fantasy. Uh, there, there's Spider-Man and the Avengers and, and Thor and, and all of these uh, Marvel characters that have been created. Uh, uh, there's Avatar, this, this fictional fantasy land. And, and, and all this stuff that, that's just out there that's, that, that, that's beyond us that we tend to gravitate towards, right? Because we would, we would love for some mythical power to come into our universe to be defeated by one of our superheroes. We're, we're fascinated with science fiction because we're fascinated with, with fantasy. But, but, but let me tell you something. We are in the midst. We are currently living inside of not something that's science fiction, but we are living in, inside of something that is very real, that has eternity hanging in the balance. And God has not given us some some hammer. He's not giving us spider webs. He's not giving us some superpower. He's giving us something even greater, and that is his word. And even more than that, he's given us prayer. He's given us access to himself. And we have low hopes. We have low desires. And we got Two and a half billion people that still, they know about Coca-Cola, but they don't know about Jesus Christ. And we remain prayerless.
prayers. Prayer is not the stopping point of missions, it's the starting point. It's where we start. Paul said, continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for us that God may open uh, us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ in the account of which I am in prison. That I may make it clear which is how I ought to speak. I don't have time to go through Luke 18, but you might want to read Luke 18, 1 through 8. It's just simply, a, it's, a, it's a parable that Jesus tells about prayer. And basically what Jesus says is that there was a nagging old woman who kept coming to a judge, asking him to do what was right. And finally the judge gave in and, and, and did what was right. And the point of that is, is that God wants his children to come to him, and he wants us to petition him over and over and over and over again. Not just one time, but hundreds of times, thousands of times, millions of times. Petition him for salvation of people, for raising up of missionaries, for the raising up of finances to support missionaries, and on and on and on. God wants us to wear him out in prayer. He invites us to come and to pray unceasingly. And he's saying that if an unrighteous judge can do what's right, how can the righteous judge of the universe not do what is right? And he will hear from heaven. Matthew 7 says, Ask and you will receive. Seek and you will find knocking and it will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives and everyone who seeks find everyone who knocks, the door will be open. And he, he goes on to say, he says, which of you, you know, know how to get good? So listen, here, here's, here's all I want to ask you a question close. If I were to ask you, write down the top five prayer requests that you've had for the last 12 months, Would the world be changed by what you've been praying about, or would only your world be changed? Hmm? Would only your world be changed by what you've been praying about, or would the world be changed? Listen, God is inviting you. He has invited me to come to Him in prayer and make petitions before Him. Asking him to do what only he can do. Listen, our lives aren't long. I'm going to keep going back to this. Our lives aren't very long. But listen, what we do in this little piece of time that we have, you want to know the effect that it has? It just keeps going. It keeps going. It keeps going. It keeps going. Look, Miss Mary, she's never going to get on an airplane and go to Indonesia. But I'm going to tell you what, she can hit her knees and be an Indonesian in a second. She can do as much mission work on her knees in Indonesia than ever could be done by Kara and Andrew. And the same goes for all of you. you. You may never get on a plane and go anywhere. For whatever reason, but listen, there's no boundaries in prayer. Prayer exceeds every boundary in the world. And God says, if you will pray, I will hear from heaven and I will answer. God can do more with a five-minute prayer of yours than he could do if you gave him 500 hours of service. Church, God is inviting us this morning to begin to pray world-changing, history-shaping, eternally significant prayers that he's going to answer, and most of them we'll never know about, but one day when we get to eternity, here's what God's going to do. He's just going to start rolling it out. <laughs> and he's going to say, hey, look, you remember when you prayed? You remember when you prayed?
pray? You remember when you pray? You remember when you pray? I'm not making this up. This is not hyperbole. This is not some kind of pastor trick to try to get you to pray more. I'm telling you the gospel truth. Here's what we're going to do. Mark's going to throw up a couple of slides this morning with verses. Let's go ahead and go to that first. Go ahead and we'll skip that. I'll have to read this now some other time. All right, stay where you are. Now, here's what we're going to do. The Bible says this. There's going to be three verses. And we're going to pray, and then we're going to sing. Listen to what Paul says. And also for me, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly, the mystery of the gospel. Once you bow your head, close your eyes. Turn the music on, Mark. Here's what we're going to do. While this music is playing, there's going to be some quietness. And I'm going to ask you to pray exactly what this verse says to pray. So I'm going to read the verse one more time to you. Okay? Head bowed, eyes closed. Also for me, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth. To proclaim the mystery of the gospel. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to start praying and ask the Lord, Lord, give our missionaries. You don't even need to know their name, but our church supports. Give them words. Open up their mouths wide they can boldly proclaim the mystery of the gospel. And then I want you to pray for yourself. Lord, this week, I'm a missionary too. And everywhere I go and who I come in contact with, put the words in my mouth. Open up my mouth that I can boldly proclaim the mystery of the gospel. Sandy Younger. We pray for Jerry and Kristen Johnson. We lift up to you, Andrew and Karen Nelson. We lift up to you all those missionaries associated with BMBMI. And Father, we ask exactly what Paul asked the Ephesians to pray for him as they sought you in prayer. That you would open up his mouth that you would put your words in his mouth, that you would put the words in their mouth, that you would open up their mouth, that they may boldly proclaim the mystery of the gospel. Father, for those of us in this room, we, we, we may not have been called to a foreign country, and some of us maybe in the future might be called to a place. We're just not old enough yet. We're just not aware yet. You're calling us to that place. But, but Father, I pray that no matter what, that right now, where you're sending us, whether that be to our schools, our sports teams, our, our places of employment, wherever we go, the grocery store, the ball field, wherever it might be, my prayer is that we would all see ourselves as the same as all the missionaries that we support, that we are on our mission field, where you have called and placed and planted us in our lives and that you would fill our mouths with your gospel and that we would open our mouths with boldness and proclaim the truth that you say. That only you can forgive sin. That, that you are the only way to heaven. Father, I pray you give some students this upcoming school year just a, a crazy boldness for a boldness that they didn't know what they had. That they would just more and more fall in love with you. And that in this world that is trying to press them into its mold, they would resist that. Because there's a message in their heart. There, there's a conviction in their heart of, of, of how you've called them to live and to be. They would be great witnesses for Father, make us all 
all the witnesses. Not for our power name's sake, but for your name's sake. Amen. Let me read the second verse to you this morning. At the same time, pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the word and declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I'm in prison. Let's pray. Here's what I want you to pray for. I want you to pray that God open doors for our missionaries. They're going into some tough places. Vietnam is incredibly tough. Indonesia is going to be incredibly tough. That God will open up doors to share the gospel. Even in Haiti, as voodoo runs rampant and witch doctors are everywhere and people are seeking out uh, evil spirits uh, for help and assistance and guidance, I pray, pray and ask the Lord that, that, that Bill and Sandy would be given doors of opportunity with those who are practicing uh, evil and black magic and Satanism, that, that there be a door of opportunity to open up that they can share the gospel and see uh, uh, those that are in such... Uh, uh, activities saved and delivered from that. And then even for yourself, I want you to pray this morning that God had opened up a door of opportunity for you in the days ahead to share your faith with someone else, to, 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 to be a witness uh, to, to someone who is in, in need of hearing about Christ. This morning we confess how difficult it is for us to take that first step to, to approach someone to, to, to share the message of salvation. We're scared, we're afraid, we, we, we're, we're afraid that we open up our mouth, the words just simply won't be there. We're, we're afraid we might get asked a question we don't know the answer to. But Father, I pray that you would just squash all of our fears and, 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 and let us, and just remind us that if we will come to you and ask you to to, to, to put your words in our mouth that, that you will, but also that if you open up a door of opportunity for us, you will be there with us in that opportunity, and you will put everything that we need to say in our mouths. And so, Father, we pray for doors of opportunity, doors that only you can open, doors that we can never open. And then, Father, when those, when those doors are open, I pray that we would just have the confidence and the boldness because we know that we have asked this prayer and we see this prayer being answered uh, in front of us that that would give us the boldness to open up our mouth knowing that you are there, you are with us and that you will speak through us. We pray and we ask that in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. One last verse this morning. Finally, brothers, pray for us that the word of the Lord may speed ahead and be honored as happened among you. Here's what I want you to pray. I want you to pray this morning. We've got two missionary couples, the Johnsons and the uh, Nelsons, who have yet to make it to the field. But let's pray this morning that the gospel would speed ahead of them, that the Lord, even right now, before they even get to their mission field, would be working in the hearts and lives of the people that they will minister to. And then also for us, let's pray this morning that... Uh, that the Lord would begin to work in, in, in the hearts and lives of people that we have even yet to meet. That, that people that, that the Lord in the days ahead, because we have prayed and because we have asked Him, that He is going to put in our path that, that, that we're going to begin to have conversations with. So Father, this morning we just simply pray that in the days ahead that, that these doors that we've asked to be opened, that we would even know further that these doors are doors that you have opened because your word has already gone ahead of us because the hearts of those people have been prepared, whether it's through a, a hearing something on the radio or a book that they have been given, or maybe they just randomly picked up a Bible somewhere or, or, or whatever it might have been that got there before we got there. But, but whatever it is that your word has already gone ahead and began to work in the hearts and the lives of those people, and they're prepared. They're ready. Make us ready. Get us ready. Give, Father, just, though we might be scared right now to even pray this prayer, 
I pray that we would pray it anyway, knowing that in that moment, you will meet us there with great boldness. You will meet us there with great confidence. Your spirit lives within us. will rise up within us. And we will act for nothing. Because you will provide everything that we need to say. Because you have already began to work in the person's life to whom we are speaking to. Father, as I close my prayer this morning, I pray this, not hoping that it might happen, but I know that if we genuinely pray this, if we ask you to do so, to, to do such activities in our life and in our world, that you have heard us and you will answer us. Some of us, it might be this afternoon. Some of us, it might be tomorrow. Some of us, it might be a month down the road. But nonetheless, because we have prayed and we have sought you, you are going to answer these prayers. You're going to give us boldness to speak for you. you. You are going to open up doorways and you're going to open up conversations because we have asked you to send your word on the head. Because you're already working in people's hearts and lives that we don't even know about yet. But all of this happening and coming to fulfillment because you have stirred us to pray today. And I pray today would just be an initial stirring of the way that we just will begin to live our lives. Praying big prayers because we have a big God. We can bring large petitions to you because you're the king. You're the king of the universe. There's nothing too big we can ask of you. So make us big prayers. Help us to pray those things that we know that you, your words already said is going to happen. We don't want you to pass us over and go down the street to another church because we wouldn't pray. Father, we pray you'd stir other churches and you'd stir us to pray because we want to be involved your work in this world because of what you have done for us. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thank you guys. Come on. Listen.